0: Truly incredible privilege again just to be able to share the word of God with you. And um, I'd like you please to find your Bibles and to open them. And um, we're going to be looking at a woman, a lady who had a heart after God today. And so can you turn to Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. We've embarked on a series last week called Men and Women with a Heart After God. We looked at Jehoshaphat last week, incredible man, you know, and I guess I could have spent another three or four weeks on him, and um, we saw that. Jehoshaphat was a man after God's own heart, and the scripture even says that he was a man who followed in the footsteps of his father, yes, grand and great-grandfather David, because he had the type of heart that um, God just loved, and so God said that um, he had a heart after God, Um, one of the key scriptures we're looking at is Acts chapter 13, verse, verse 22, which says, After re- removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And so that's kind of like the key scripture that we're building this series around, and um, David obviously was a man after God, and we will look at him maybe in a couple of weeks' time. But we see that of David it was said he was a man after God's own heart because he will do everything I want him to do. So that's a major emphasis when we have a heart that is after God, that we would do everything that God tells us. do, And so that's kind of like a sub-thought that we're exploring over the next little while. And with Jehoshaphat, you just saw that he inquired after the Lord several times within his account. Whereas his own father, Asa, it says that he stopped asking after God. He actually just did. His own thing in chapter seventeen of Second Chronicles, and it's a sad story where you see Asaph, Asa, who, who, who knew God, who understood God, but he got sick, and he would rather inquire after um, earthly physicians, the Bible says, than actually asking God to heal him, and um, and then it says of Jehoshaphat that he was a man who sought. God in everything. So that's a little bit of an introduction what we spoke about last week. And so this week we want to look at Mary. And it is Mary of Bethany. We've got many different Marys in the New Testament. When you start reading of it, and uh, you'll see that it's quite difficult and confusing when you look at all of the different accounts. The Mary, uh, mother of Jesus, um, it, it speaks of. Um, speaks about Mary from Bethesda, and so it goes on, and then there are Marys mentioned at the resurrection of Jesus. And so we see that the name Mary was a very popular name within Scripture, particularly within the New Testament Scriptures. But we want to look at a Mary that is um, an incredible character. And um, I would like us to read the scripture and then let's talk about her and see why she is a woman after God's own heart. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Aha, I'm sure that you got the phrase here that is the catchphrase for us. What is it? She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Of Jehoshaphat, it said that he inquired after after the Lord of David, it was said, he will do everything I want him to do. And then, conversely, of King Asa, it was said, that he stopped inquiring after the Lord. So it's good just to pause as we read the scripture, as we notice this. Let me read again, she, it, it, the scripture says, she had a sister called Mary. Who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. There is another account that I would like us to read in John chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. So if you can follow along. Open your Bibles to that passage. It has such amazing passages. And just see if you can pick up the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit as God speaks to us through his incredible word. John chapter 12, verses 1 to 10 says this. Six days before the Passover. Wow. Very relevant, isn't it, today? Six days before the Passover. Before Esau, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Who do we find? Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. You see, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were sisters And a brother. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given? To the poor, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he was the treasurer. He used to help himself to what, what was put into it. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. What a gospel account we see in front of our very eyes within these two passages of scripture. And then there is another passage that is not on the screen, but is found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 13. Now, Mary's name is not mentioned here, but I believe it is also an account of Mary. And I want you to listen to it. And it's from verses 6 to 13, and like I said, it's not on the screen. You're going to need to open up your Bibles then. But it says this in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 13. While Jesus was in Bethany. In the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could not be sold at a high price. This perfume could be sold at a high price and in the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Isn't that incredible? I believe that when Jesus speaks about women in the scriptures, he brings them up to a level of that culture that they had never been. He dignified women with his presence, with his attention, and he gives such detail when he speaks about women in scripture. Because oftentimes in history, you'll see that God uses women in most profound ways for the gospel to be heard, to be preached, and to be lived out. I just love what the women do within Lift Church. Uh, I have the unique privilege of being here at our facility from Tuesdays until Fridays. And I have women coming in and out, and they go to love on a hanger to love on a little hanger, and they hang around here. They have coffee, they have tea. And every now and then, ladies, I hope you're listening, um, some of the ladies are so kind and generous that they leave Adam and I, and Nick, who is also grabbing a hold of an office here, and they leave some cake behind for us. And uh, that's a great expression of such generosity from you. And so we have the ladies who come here and the most amazing thing is it is not just tea parties that they are having. They gather together with other ladies within Zuku who do not know Jesus. And these ladies are so attracted by what's happening here that they come sometimes twice a week. They will say that they're coming to buy clothes, but they don't buy clothes. They come and they just sit. And I believe it is because of gospel that is being lived out by the ladies within our church our church have a group of women that is like a silent army that has moved in the seven years that I've been here in such amazing ways proclaiming the gospel Jesus lifts women up to a privileged position and I think us as men ought to understand just what the scripture is saying here Jesus defends Mary's act, and he would defend women as well, and we feel very, very strongly about this. And so, my friends, when we look at the scripture here, it is so clear that Mary and Martha were two women who several times was found in the presence of Jesus. As a matter of fact, when you read the Gospels, you'll find out that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very good friends of Jesus. Jesus spent time in their home. And when Lazarus died, Martha and Mary sent word to Jesus. But only a day after he had died, Jesus arrived. And of course, he raised Lazarus, his friend, from the dead. But the Bible says that when Jesus heard that Lazarus died, he wept. He wept. he loved this family and there is something about this family that just moved the heart of God. I Look at people within our church here at Lyft and when I see how devoted they are to Christ, I feel that Jesus has the same emotional response towards those people and families within our church that he had to Lazarus. Mary and Martha. And so we see this account, and it's kind of like an unfair account. I was talking to the ladies just last week, and they had a study on Martha and Mary, and they were contrasting Martha's strengths with Mary's strengths. And some of the ladies said, I'm a Martha. Other ladies said, I'm a Mary. And as I listened to them, it is absolutely so. There's some valid points that they raised, but I never believed that this passage was meant For us to be either a Martha or a Mary. Because when you look at Mary, oftentimes people say that she was a worshipper, but Martha was a worker. I believe that as the gospel rests our hearts, as we are saved, as we are born again, as we are raised back to life out of our sins, my friends, The work that we do from 8 o'clock until 5 o'clock in the day is an act of worship to God. So what you do at Johnson & Johnson's or at Glencore's or at Zook International School or um, the work that you do at home with your children, my friends, I believe it is an act of worship. So everything we do is an act of worship. Although Mary... During her act of worship, and I love the passage that I've chosen as her key passage in Luke chapter 10, kind of gives me an insight into why Jesus reacted the way he did about Mary. It wasn't that she was a worker and Mary was a worshiper. But it was because the passage says here so clearly, Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said, my friends, I believe true worshipers are those people who listen to what Jesus said, says. And out of that, there is a response that comes from our hearts. That is a response of worship. And at your homes and the few people here, this is a good place to say amen. Thank you. (laughs) True worship flows out of listening and doing what God says. And that's why, honestly, friends, most of the times when I pray, I have the Bible with me. Why? Because I want to hear what God says through the scriptures. And I want to respond in worship when he speaks. Now, there are times when I'm just walking out in the beautiful, beautiful valleys and, 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 and the forests and the mountains of Switzerland where I don't have my Bible with me, but the Word of God is hidden in my heart. It is written on the tablets of my heart. And I walk and I remember Scripture and I quote it, so I read the Scripture from the heart, my friends, and there is an act of worship that happens. Mary focused on... All of her attention on Jesus while he was speaking, and she listened to him. And out of that, there was an act of worship. What was Jesus saying to her within this context? When you look at the different passages, it must have been quite amazing. Because, you know, in in, in the passage within Matthew, it says... Um, In the passage in John, it says it was six days before the Passover. That Jesus had a conversation with Mary where he was in their house. My friends, six days before his crucifixion. I wonder what Mary and Jesus were talking about. I wonder why Jesus had gone to Lazarus to Mary, to Martha's house. Why? What was he doing there? We know that he had spoken so many times to his disciples about his death. And so often when he spoke to them, they just didn't understand what he was saying. They just couldn't get it. At one stage, Peter even rebuked Jesus. He said, no, Jesus, you can't do that. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. You do not speak. You speak about the things of men, not the things of God. They didn't get it, and so he went to this home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Sat down, and he started speaking. Of course, Mary uh, sat down and ate his feet. Martha did the right thing because she was the oldest of the two sisters. And so custom during that day was for the oldest to um, invite people in and to make the preparations of the day. And she took um, kind of like leadership over the home. But what separated her from Mary was that when Jesus started to speak, I think he started to speak about his death. What do you think? He started to speak about the day's coming. He, in his humanity, also needed people to understand him just like you and I. For me, the most amazing encouragement is when I speak to people and they actually get what I'm saying. That's my love language is when people understand what I'm trying to say. And I believe that as Jesus sat down and Mary was talking and Jesus was talking. And he started to share about what was going to happen in the next six days. I believe that Mary got what Jesus was saying. She listened to him with understanding and I believe that tears started to roll from her eyes she was overcome by the moment but she was also overcome by her deep love and devotion for Jesus you see my friends people didn't even see him even at that time as only a good teacher they started to see him as the son of God as he was revealed to them in the latter stages of his ministry And so there was this overwhelming emotion within her that in six days' time, she was not going to see him again. He was a friend, but he was also Lord. And I think that as she understood what was going to happen in the next few days, that he was going to be betrayed by even his dearest disciples. As she started to understand That he was going to be ambushed by one that was entrusted with the purse, Judas Iscariot. As she started to understand that Jesus was going to be taken to the cross. And that he was going to die for sinful mankind. That his body was going to be broken, torn apart. And the sins of all mankind was going to be placed on him. And the wrath that was meant for you and I was going to cover his life. And when Mary started to understand that even Jesus' own father was going to be rejected by him. Because the Bible says that God turned his face from Jesus when the sin and the wrath of God. Fell upon him. I think as Mary started to understand that, Jesus was understood (laughs) by her. And what followed, which is so beautifully depicted within the story, you'll see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, you know, it, it, it speaks about Jesus being covered with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which he poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And then, of course, the account within John that we were reading, um, we see, it says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, one year's wages. She extravagantly used what she had, and she poured it on Jesus' feet in this instance. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But the disciples and Judas Iscariot, they objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the bruits? worth the years of ages? Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day, and this is the key for my burial. She was a lady who listened to all that Jesus was saying, but also she understood the cross. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And so we see that when Jesus died, there wasn't time and opportunity for his body to be prepared for his burial. However, God the Father in a sovereign way took care of that detail through a lady called Mary. She prepared our Lord. For his burial. Jesus was never really alone, even when the Father shifted his focus off of him. There was the presence of people like Mary and others who was with him. Even prophetically, as she used that expensive knot and poured it over his feet, prophetically, she was preparing him for his burial. My friends, she was a lady after God's own heart because worship from her originated from listening to him. She was a lady after God's own heart because she understood the significance of the cross, of the gospel. She didn't live a natural life. But she lived her life through the experience of the cross, even before it took place, which is very, very unique. Her life was a prophetic life that looked forward and prepared Jesus for his burial. How unique was that? Jesus says, do not take this away from me. She will be spoken about. In history, my friends, she did a significant thing. She was a lady after God's own heart, because she understood what it meant to live a life through the gospel. She was willing and this is what the gospel does, my friends. this is what the cross does. The cross causes us to humble ourselves. Before God. You see this is what the gospel does. It brings us down. When we humble ourselves. God lifts us up. The Bible says that when Mary sat down. She took the position. Of a slave. And in those days. That's what you did when you sat at someone's feet. Took the position of a slave. When she undid her hair. Something Jewish women did not do in public. She humbled herself and laid her glory at Jesus' feet. My friends, this is what happens when we encounter the cross. We take our glory crowns off of our heads and we place it in front of Jesus. My friends, when we go by way of the cross, it radically changes us, but it only changes us When we bow ourselves before Jesus, when we sit at his feet, we take the form of a servant and we humble ourselves as Jesus did. And my friends, when that happens, our eyes open up and we hear what he says and we understand the cross. Mary did that so well. Who would dare to criticize Mary? We understand that. Such an important figure, just like Simon of Serene, who carried Jesus's cross <laughs> for him. She prophetically anointed Jesus for his burial, and Jesus knew it, and it brought a great sense of comfort. My friends, you see, the posture that Jesus took at the cross meant that she was all in with Jesus. That's what the cross does. When we go by way of the cross, our salvation is a complete salvation. We will do whatever He says to us to do. It's not religion. His devotion to a God that's overwhelmed us with his great love. That he showed to us that while we were yet sinners, the Bible says that he died on the cross for us. This is what was depicted in Mary's mind as she sat there. She wept and she prepared Jesus with that expensive perfume for his burial. I think she gained insights into his life that is not even written about in that moment with Jesus. You see, she was a woman after God's own heart because she listened to what he said. She understood the significance of the cross and she was willing to pay the price to be misunderstood by her culture. The moment... She loosened her hair and she let it flow. She was labelled by all those around her. Maybe even her sister, maybe even her brother. Definitely by the disciples, definitely by Judas Iscariot. She paid a price for her devotion for Christ. Oftentimes we will hear what Jesus says but we don't listen. Oftentimes we'll understand what the cross is all about but we won't go. Through the gates of the cross. And so we're not transformed. Many sit Sunday after Sunday listening to messages like this. Sit in worship service Sunday after Sunday without truly being transformed. Because the price is too high for them to pay. They will not allow themselves to be misunderstood. You see, there is a price to be paid. For worshipping Jesus. There's a price to be paid for serving him. The price of being misunderstood. Don't you just hate being misunderstood. That's one of the things I struggle with the most. Is when people misunderstand my intentions. And people misunderstand me. It hurts deeply. But we see here with Mary. She had to pay that price. But her focus was on Jesus. My friends, when your focus is on Jesus, you'll pay the price. When your focus is on the crowds and the opinions of men, you will not pay the price. She paid the price. And that's what I absolutely love about her. She was misunderstood and she was Criticized. That's what normally happens when someone gives his or her best to the Lord. But there's always a reward that comes from worshipping and serving Jesus. Her reward that she didn't even know about was that she would have intimate fellowship with Jesus. The reward for going by way of the cross, the reward listening to him. Listening to the words of Jesus is deep intimacy with God. The reward also that she had that followed her all the days of her life and even after her death is that the whole world will know about her. Isn't that incredible? What a reward, my friends. Jesus says there is a reward for you and I. He said in the Gospels, he said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. He says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. My friends, the reward for worshipping and following Jesus is that he acknowledges you before the full counsel of God. And they know about you. And they applaud your every effort as you follow God. Wouldn't you rather have the applause of heaven than the applause of man, which is fleeting and which is so conditional? Mary did what Jesus said, what would never be taken away from her. And we understand that. And with this incredible reward. That she has. And, and the rewards that has come to us. Because we've gone by way of the cross. I pray. That you and I. Just like Jehoshaphat. And just like Mary. Would be men and women. Who will do everything. That God tells us to do. That we would be men and women. That will go by the way of the cross, and that we would be men and women that will be devoted to him in worship. Would you stand as we pray, please? Father, we want to thank you for the picture of this beautiful woman called Mary. We want to thank you for her life, We want to thank you that she's teaching us something about loving you extravagantly and how when we get a glimpse of the cross, how extravagance, not stinginess, flows from our heart in worship. Thank you that you cut the cords of conservatism off of us when we encounter Jesus, thank you that um, the freedom of extravagance flows out of our hearts when we experience this intimacy with you, when we listen to what you say and you tell us about the wonderful things of your life, of the cross, of eternity, and of your great love for us. Lord, I pray today. That your Holy Spirit would make these things alive to us so that over this Easter period that we would extravagantly worship Jesus and that we would be those who would tell of his great love to others and that we would point others towards the cross of Jesus. We thank you for this privilege.